He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands, is being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stopping. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. 
He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands, is being killed. You will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you. It's a winning night. It's a night of victory. It's a night of refreshing. It's a night of overcoming. Hallelujah. It's a night of defeating the enemy. Father, we give you thanks and praise. You are a good God. And Lord, you have given us the victory. Thanks be unto God. You always cause us to triumph. And we bless your name tonight. And we give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship God together. Let's stand together tonight.
tonight, Lord, come on. Let's see him covering us with his pinions. Oh, you're covering over us, Lord. It's love. The unfailing element of heaven is love. Oh, we're hiding under the shadow of the Almighty. Come on, let's worship him tonight. buckler and his glory he won't with he will give to those who walk uprightly oh let's give God some praise in this house tonight let's praise him like he is worth our praise let's give him the highest praise in this place tonight let's break some things with our so much for who you are. Nobody can do what you've done for us, Lord. You've reached into that miry clay where we were and you pulled us out and you set us upon a rock. 
You gave us divine purpose. You made everything new. And Lord, we're going to love you. We're going to live for you. We're going to worship you. We're going to serve you. We're going to share your message. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! It is with great honor and reverence, Lord, that we acknowledge your presence in this place. And we thank you for speaking to us. The words that Messiah speaks, they are spirit and they are life. My words get to the heart of the matter. My words shed light in the darkness. My words show you the way in which to go. My word will keep you, sustain you, feed you, supply your needs, and help you when you need it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, you may have your seats. Thank you, thank you, Signature Worship Team. The presence follows them. And the presence is here. Well, this Friday, ladies, it's woven. So if you're a woman of victory who enjoys new life, then uh, woven is for you, 6.30 p.m. this Friday. Hallelujah. And then in April, Woven is having their women's conference. It's going to be a great and dynamic time uh, with Patty Akui. She was here last year at our church and um, just phenomenal. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be a great time and she'll also be with us on that Sunday as well. We always have our conference speakers uh, speak uh, for us on the Sunday as well. So it's going to be a great time. Next Wednesday... We're having uh, Pastor Sushil uh, Kumar, and uh, he's the director of uh, Rama Chandigarh, uh, that's in India, and uh, he's going to be with us, and we're just going to have a great time. So uh, it's a great opportunity to go and tell someone, bring someone. Say, hey, look, you, not, you, you need to be refreshed. Why don't you just come along with me? Amen? And uh, don't, don't tell, just say, come and see. Just bring them and surprise them. Amen. Hallelujah. And of course, uh, giving to God. Amen. That's our lifeline. Amen. It's, God does amazing things with seeds. And he equates giving as like sowing a seed. And VCF is good ground. Why? Because lives are being changed here. People are being helped here. People are being brought into the kingdom here. Disciples are being made here. Amen? And uh, so you can give any time during the service. 
And if you're watching, of course, online, you can give through our website that way. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Father, we're so grateful and thankful that you are a rewarder of them that diligently seek you. And I thank you, Father, that every gift and giver is rewarded by you. And Lord, I thank you for the blessings to flow abundantly towards them. And we just give you thanks and praise that all of their needs are met according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We honor you and bless you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, kids, we're going to release you now to go have your class. Experience the Holy Ghost on your level. Amen. Hallelujah. So kids, have a good night. Have a blast. Oh, hallelujah. Mm-mm-mm. Tonight is a night for warriors. How many warriors do we got here? We say, I'm, I'm not sure that I'm a warrior. If you're born again, you're a warrior. When you got born again, you became a warrior. Because you have an adversary. And he would like to devour you, but because you became a warrior, he can't. Say, I'm a warrior. Say, I'm a warrior for Jesus. And tonight, I'm ready to do battle. Because I win all the time. Hallelujah. You know, ever since I met the Lord, I've never gotten tired of winning. Because with the Lord, you win all the time. The devil can throw the kitchen sink at you, but it doesn't matter. He's going to lose. He loses every time. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles or your device or whatever you need to look up the word, you know, it's important to know where these things are. And when something important is said, unless you've got a photographic memory, you ought to write it down. Amen. But if you've got a photographic memory, you're good. But if you don't, Write it down. Why? You know, you got to be able to recall things. Amen? Things that aren't retrievable aren't usable. I want you to go to the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 6. I didn't know what direction the Lord wanted to go today. And uh, I was preparing for some other things. And uh, what I saw was the things that I was putting together kind of all meshed together. <laughs> so then the Lord, Holy Ghost, just brought it down. You know, uh, I can't give you the whole load because you'll be like the farmer that said uh, it was a wintry night and the pastor had, had a service and only one farmer showed up. And so the, the, the pastor gave him all that he had ready and at the end of the service, he said, how was that? And the farmer said, well, preacher, that was good. But if I come to the field and only one cow comes out, I don't give him the whole load. <laughs> so I can't give you the whole load of what I had put together. It's just, it's just part of the load. Amen. Part of the load. <laughs> Hallelujah. First Timothy chapter six. And verse 12. And the Bible says, fight the good fight. Everybody say a good fight. 
He said, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life in which you were called. Did you know that you've been called to eternal life? Not eternal death, not eternal sadness, not eternal hardship, but eternal life. Think about that, eternal life. Good, abundant, rich life. And have confessed the good confession in the presence of a few witnesses. Many witnesses. That means you should not be ashamed of the gospel in any setting. Whether there's a few or, but you ought to be speaking the word to everybody. Amen? Hallelujah. Say, we're getting ready to fight. Notice it's a good fight because it has a rich reward. To fight means to contend. It's actually the root word for agonize. It means to struggle. It means to be engaged in an athletic athletic contents, contents, contest or warfare. So I want you to know faith fights. It contends. It struggles. It engages in conflict. Now, being in faith is not a struggle, but you use your faith to overcome the struggles. How many, anybody experienced struggles in life? Maybe you're struggling tonight with a physical challenge. Having a physical challenge can be struggling. So what does God do? He brings healing. He whooped sickness in it. He whooped sickness, right? 39 lashes on his back covered every source of sickness in this planet. Faith is a fight. And uh, we're going to engage in a fight, but it's a good fight. What's a good fight? It's one that's been predetermined for your benefit. (laughs) A good fight is one that you've been empowered and enabled to win. A good fight is one where you become the champion. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We got some champions in the house. You've been purchased with a champion bloodline. Jesus is the thoroughbred of thoroughbreds. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So another thing faith does is it confesses. You know, faith speaks. It speaks victory. It speaks a winning vocabulary. You got to replace your defeating words with winning words. You got to replace your sad stories with some good stories. Faith speaks an overcoming mindset. You win by showing up. You win because of who's inside of you. You win because of whose you are. 
Paul said, I know in whom I believe, and I know that he's able to keep that which I commit to him. If you commit something to God, God's able to keep it. He's able to bring it to pass. That's called trust when you commit something to him. Faith confesses. It speaks to things. Faith speaks to mountains. It speaks to trees. It speaks to people. It speaks to storms. It speaks to dead things. It speaks to dry things. It speaks to invisible things. It declares who you are in Christ and what you have been given. That's what faith does. To confess means I promise I agree. What are you agreeing with? You're agreeing with the word. Hallelujah. To confess means to uh, speak together or speak the same thing. You're speaking the same thing as Jesus speaks. Amen? His words are powerful. His words bring life and health. The Bible says if you find the word of God, you find life and health or medicine to all of your flesh. You want to... You want a medicine with no side effects for all your flesh, the word of God. It's God's medicine to all your flesh, to your bones, to your skin, your hair, your organs, everything, in, out, all around, up and down, to all your flesh. Hallelujah. We need some people who aren't ashamed to confess some things, to be bold, to speak some things out. God just needs some people on earth to speak some things, his things, his plans, his agenda, his, his heart. He needs some people. He, God said, I poured out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Prophesy means to speak under the utterance. The basic definition of prophesy is to speak, to have the unction to speak. Let's prophesy tonight. Amen? And just because you prophesy doesn't make you a prophet, but you might be called a prophet. Go to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10 and verse 8. What kind of fight is faith? Good fight. Romans 10 and verse 8 says this. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. Is the word far away? And it needs two things to be in agreement. Your heart and your mouth need to be in agreement with the word. If you want things to happen in your life, your heart and your mouth cannot disagree one iota from the word of God. You have to speak what Jesus speaks. Jesus is the word. Okay? So the word is near you in your heart and in your mouth. That is the word of faith which we preach. Paul was a word of faith preacher. He preached the word of faith. Verse 9. If you confess with your mouth, 
Your mouth was made for confession. Same thing as profession. Same thing as proclaiming. Same thing as speaking. Okay? But, it, but it's what you speak. You don't want to speak your feelings. You don't want to speak your mind. You want to speak the word. Okay? The word, uh, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you might be saved. You will be saved. When your heart and mouth agree with God's word, power is released. And it makes things happen. Verse 10, for with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So with the heart believes, I like to say it this way, the heart is the lasso. Right? Everybody see a cowboy? They lasso that cow, right? And then the confession is bringing it to you. So with with the heart, you lasso the promise, right? And your mouth, your confession, you bring it into the reality. Into the, from the realm of the spirit into the reality realm. From the invisible realm to the visible realm. You're bringing it to you. Right? Alright, go to First John chapter 4. Hallelujah. It's a refreshing night, right? Well, I'm washing you with the water of the word. First John four fifteen. Hallelujah. It says this. Whosoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him. Jesus is the Son of God. That means God's abiding in me. What, what do you think happens when God abides in you? You think the devil's going to whoop you? No. I got, I got God abiding in me. We got to be God inside minded. More than sense-minded. Talking about your physical senses. So, uh, whoever confesses that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. Oh, hallelujah. When I confess that he's God, there's an exchange that takes place. He abides in me, and I abide in him. Glory to God. Woo, we become one. Hallelujah. All right? And then faith. Okay, faith fights, faith confesses, and faith lays hold on eternal life. Get a grip on eternal life and don't let go. Faith holds on to eternal promises. It practices divine principles. You know, if you're a a believer... Believing in Jesus ought to change every area of your life. People ought to see Jesus in your home. People ought to see Jesus how you work. People ought to see Jesus how you deal with problems. Every problem is a divine opportunity to see God work. So if we're not practicing the principles, then what what we're believing is in vain. But if we're believing something real, it ought to change your life. Amen? We ought to live differently. Hallelujah. Those those 12 guys, I'll say 11, those 11 guys that hung around Jesus, their lives were different. 
there ought to be some evidence that we're a Christian in our daily living. Amen? Why? Because I'm laying hold on eternal life. I'm practicing divine principles. I personally relate to Jesus, the author and the finisher, the life giver. I'm laying hold on eternal life. Hallelujah. I've got, you know, some people call it bulldog faith. Give a bulldog a bone. See if you can get that bone away from him. It's not going to happen. Right? Because when they lock down on that bone, they're going to hold on to it. Right? I remember my dad and I, we used to catch turtles. Snapping turtles. And uh, we had these long pliers. They were about a foot long and they had a flat head on them about a, two inches wide. So we'd grab the snapping turtle by its neck, pull it out and chop its head off. And then the turtle would just run around a little bit. <laughs> That's a little freaky, but... <laughs> One time... My dad caught it because we, we, there was this fishing hole that we fished and it just had snapping turtles and we got snapping turtles out of there. And uh, one time my dad caught a turtle in the morning and he went to work. Well, he put it in the gunny sack, tied it to our tree in the backyard and went to work. And, and when he was at work, one of his uh, clients came in. He said, Art, you know, I saw the funniest thing. I saw this turtle crossing the road where our house was going down to the creek, which was about a few blocks away. And sure enough, that turtle uh, chewed a hole in that gunny sack, and that was our turtle. (laughs) Got home, and there was a big hole. There was no turtle, but a big hole in the bag. He escaped. (laughs) Hallelujah. Glory to God. Say, I'm laying hold on eternal life. That means to aggressively take. You know, God gave Israel a promised land. He said, it's yours. I've given it to you. You can have it. Was that the end of it? What did they have to do? They had to possess it. See, when you're laying hold on to eternal life, you're possessing what he said. You're possessing the promise. That means you're cooperating with God in the way that you need to so that the promise can be a reality in your life. The promised land was theirs, right? But Joshua, he had to take the people in. He had to engage in conflict. He had to fight kings. He had to take over cities. He had to distribute the inheritance. He defeated 33 kings. Hallelujah. Just because God gave you a promise, it's not automatically yours. You've got to possess it. You've got to lay hold of it. You've got to aggressively take it. You've got to take what's yours. Take what's been given to you. You know, this, we, Dr. Fiona and I, we call this church an inheritance. Why? God called us here. They, had, they have seven acres, or just under seven acres. They have a building that was built. Chairs, piano, equipment. We just walked, first pastorate, here we are, in this beautiful building that God gave to us. Amen? Praise God for the people. 
Thank God for Harvey Good, who had a vision. And he started with a group of people, and it grew. And they built this building. And I'm so grateful. Hallelujah. we got some goods here right now. Hallelujah. That's his son, by the way. They didn't know what was going to, they didn't know what the future was going to bring. God brought a man from Illinois and a woman from Guyana, South America, and brought us to Palmyra, Pennsylvania. Listen, 25 years ago, I couldn't have told you, hey, I'm going to be in Palmyra, Pennsylvania. I had no clue where I was going to be, but God knew. And at the right time, at the right moment, he brought us here so that we could teach people faith, so that we could help people find their inheritance and treasure in God's word, so that we could help people find their purpose. We've been helping people find their inheritance and treasure and finding their purpose for over 20 years now. Glory to God. And we're going strong. Listen, we've got to impact this area. Hallelujah. We, and God, we need an army of people. We need an army of believers who know how to lay hold on eternal life, who know how to speak the word, who know how to fight. Glory to God. To seize upon with our hands. Faith acts on the word to be an undisputed champion of God's great gift. Say, I'm an undisputed champion. I want you to raise your hands like you're the champion. I'm an undisputed champion. Who made you a champion? Jesus made you a champion. His blood made you a champion. His word, the Holy Ghost made you a champion. When you accepted Jesus, you became the champion. Before Jesus, we were losers, but after Jesus, we're champions. Hallelujah. So, what is a good fight? I wrote some things down. A good fight is one predetermined in your favor. Hallelujah. One you win, that's a good fight. When you're empowered to overcome, you win by exercising, demonstrating, and displaying what you believe. And not how you move your fists or your feet. Our warfare is not with bullets and guns. It's with words. And it's with our belief system. What made David different? From every other soldier from Israel, he had a belief system that if the devil messes with me, he's done. And he knew when he walked on that battlefield that Goliath, it wasn't just the giant, it was the devil behind the giant who was mocking God. Now, I feel sorry for the soldiers that sat there and let that giant mock God for 40 days. They were fearful in their boots. No one was doing anything. It took a shepherd. who. But you know what David had? He walked onto that battlefield with the anointing. He was the only one anointed. Saul lost his anointing. 
And David walked onto that battlefield with the anointing of God. And under the anointing, he spoke. Under the anointing, he stood his ground. Under the anointing, he won the war of words. Then he took off the giant's head. See, when you win the war of words, your enemy's defeated. Then you can carry out the physical defeat by cutting his head off. Amen? But you've got to win the war of words first. So this, this good fight, it's a contest against the world, the flesh, and the devil. Go to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15. You can see the battle that we're in today. Lies versus the truth. Deception versus revelation. There's a lot of things in this world that is very deceptive. But, you got, and the, but those who know the truth, man, you, you, you can pick out a lie. Hallelujah. So 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, it says this. Do not love the world or the things in the world. Listen, you can't get so in love with the world. Why? What's in it? If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. He's talking about the world system. Now, God loved the world, didn't he? Because he loved the people that were in the world. And he gave his only begotten son. He saw the mess that they were in, and he sent them the solution. He gave them the answer. It's Jesus. He said, verse 16, For all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away. Guess what? This world system is passing away. It, it has a, uh, it has a uh, expiration date. Yeah, I was going to say limitation, but expiration date. Right? And the lust of it. It's all going to go away sometime, but it hasn't gone yet. But he who does the will of God abides forever. How many of you want to abide forever? Then be doing the will of God. You want to abide forever? Do the will of God. All right? So the good fight is how we triumph. It is resurrection over death. That's what a good fight is. The devil was celebrating for two days. Then on the third day, he had a headache. As the grave started to shake. And Jesus shot up from that grave. And the devil went, oh, snap. I mean, you talk about a victory, a triumph. Whoo! Devil didn't even see it coming, even though Jesus said it. Because why? The devil's a loser. Victory is the spirit over the natural. No longer do you have to abide what you're, no longer do you have to do what the natural man says. You can now let the Holy Spirit speak and control the natural man. When you got born again, your spirit rose to the prominent seat and your natural body had to take the lesser seat. And now you tell your body what to do instead of your body telling you what to do. Okay? 
A good fight is, is the new man over the old man. I'll tell you what, I like the new man better. Don't you? New is better than the old. It is truth over lies, deception, and falsehoods. It is the word over the world. Just one letter difference, but it means a whole difference. One letter difference, but there's a, there are two different worlds, the word and the world. It's grace over sin. The Bible says where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Grace is greater than sin. Hallelujah. And uh, strength over weakness. You know, the Bible says when you're weak, guess what? You can receive strength. You can wait on God and, and you can renew your strength. God's strength is renewable energy. How do I get it? You just wait on God for it. And he will renew your strength. He will give power to the faint. He will increase the strength that have the, to them that have no might. It's what he does. How do I, let the weak say I'm what? Stop saying you're so weak. Start saying you're strong. The body says you're weak, but God says you're strong. Who are you going to agree with? Do you want the body's results or do you want God's results? All right. Hallelujah. Let me just tell you what the mind of the flesh is, according to Romans 8. You don't have to go there, but the mind of the flesh is death. But the mind of the spirit is life and peace. How many would rather have life and peace over death? All right? So you've got to have a spiritual mind. You've got to think spiritual things, think spiritual thoughts. God's word is spirit. When you're thinking the word, you're thinking spirit. Okay? The mind of the flesh is actively hostile to God. It, it, it's against God. It's contrary to God. It's the opposite of God. It does not submit to God's law because it cannot. And when you can't submit to God's law, you are a target for the devil to come to you. The only way to resist the devil is to submit to God and then he'll flee from you. How many want the devil fleeing from you? Then we got to submit ourselves to God. We got to come under his authority, come under his rule. Everybody say, Jesus is Lord, not me. So if Jesus is Lord, he gets to call the shots. He gets to tell you what career you should have because he made you. He knows what you were made for. Amen? He puts people in the body because it pleases him. He'll never take a poll as to what he wants you to do. 78% of the angels think you should do this. I took a poll in heaven, and 92% of the angels think you should do this. God doesn't take polls, because he knows everything. Why would you take a poll when you know everything? You know the outcome already. You don't need to take a poll. You know the end before the beginning. The poll's not going to tell you anything different. Hallelujah. Oh, my goodness. Hallelujah. All right. The mind of the flesh cannot please God. You got to be spiritually minded to please God. Because why? Faith is a spiritual thing. Faith pleases God. 
right? Faith is the only thing that pleases God. Well, obedience pleases God. Obedience tells God how much you love him. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my what? Keep my suggestions. Did he say suggestions? What did he say? Commands. Everybody say commands. I mean, if you don't follow a command, you're done. You're toast. Right? A commander gives you a command and you don't do it, you're done. You take full responsibility for the results of you not following that command. Because God's commands, <laughs> you know, I like John chapter 6. Jesus did his sermon on eating my flesh and drinking my blood. That was the most popular sermon. I'm saying that sarcastically. Because if you read John 6:66, it says so many people started to leave Jesus. They started to quit following him because this guy's a cannibal. He wants me to eat his flesh and drink his blood. Oh, my gosh. They had no clue what he was saying. And he looked to his, so many people were leaving Jesus' ministry. He looked to his 12 and he said, are you going to leave too? And Peter, he just said, where are we going to go, Lord? You have the words to eternal life. I'm staying right here. Amen? I know about you, but I'm staying with the words of eternal life. I'm not going to go to the right or to the left. I'm not going backwards. I'm going forwards. We've got things to do. People to train. Hallelujah. Mm. We've got to contend with some things in life. Go to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Oh, hallelujah. And look at verse 29. And we're going to go into Colossians 1.29 to 2, 1 through 9. To this end, I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. How does God work in you? Not wimpily, not barely, not hopefully, but he works in you mightily. Why? Because he's the spirit of might. He's a mighty guy. He's the almighty. Right? So say, God's working in me mightily. His word is working in me mightily. Holy Ghost is working in me mightily. If something's working in you mightily, you weren't, de- you weren't destined to lose. Is that right? You've got something working on the inside of you. He's working to help you. He's working to give you wisdom. He's working to show you things to come. He's working to bring you into all truth. He's working to bring you into healing, deliverance, prosperity. You know, if there was ever a time the church needed to prosper, it is right now today. Because you cannot trust the economy, but you can always trust God. God will always come through. No matter what the, listen, it could be famine and God can provide for his children. He's provided for his people in famines many times in the Bible. Okay? Colossians chapter 2. For I want you to know... What a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea. You know who the Laodiceans were? They were lukewarm. 
Paul writes to the, the Laodicea church in Revelation. He says, I want you hot or cold, but I don't want you lukewarm. You can either be hot or cold. You got to be extreme. God wants some extreme believers. We got some extreme believers here tonight. We're hot on fire for God. We're hot, passionate for God. We're not the frozen chosen. We are firebrands that have been plucked from the fire. We've been baptized with fire. There's a candle on the inside of us called the Holy Ghost. So Paul was laboring for the church of Laodicea. He was working for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. I'm just going to give you an overview of this because of time. He was encouraging them that you got to receive Christ and walk in him. He encouraged them to be knit in unselfish love. Notice he, verse 2, that their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love and attaining to all riches in the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both the Father and of Christ. Doesn't that sound good? We have to love one another. And love makes a choice and takes action. All right? And then he goes on to say in this passage, verses 1 to 9, he said, Don't be deceived by persuasive arguments that disagree with the word or the spirit. Exercise good discipline. Stand shoulder to shoulder in unity. I'll tell you what. When there's unity in the body, that's where God commands the blessing. It's like the oil when he pours it on the priest and it runs down and it affects everybody. God wants everybody affected. Amen? And he was encouraging this church, the Laodiceans. He said, maintain a stable faith in Christ. Rely on him. I'm giving you a summary of this passage. Um, be confident in his power, wisdom, and goodness. Receive Christ. Walk, reflect his character. You know, God's more concerned about character than he is about spiritual gifts. We've got to be people of integrity. That's what Jesus is. All right? He said, uh, don't let philosophy or empty deception take you captive. You know, the devil's a liar, but his lies are traps. They're snares. And they don't come across as a lie at first, but once you get in it, you're like, oh, my goodness, what have I gotten myself into? Okay? So let me give you some tips on, on how, what it takes to fight this good fight. All right? Go to 1 Corinthians 9.25. 1 Corinthians 9.25. And now, some practical insights about how to fight the spiritual fight. Ever say the Bible is practical? It was designed to be done. It was designed for doers. You can, God made the word doable. And you don't need instructions to do it. He gave you the, the manufacturer. He gave you the Holy Spirit. He helps you do it. 1 Corinthians 9.25 and everyone who competes for the prize, 
He's talking about an athletic game. That's, that's the fight. That's the contention. That's the struggle, right? The Olympians, they struggle in their events. I don't mean that they struggle, but that it's a competition. They're fighting for gold, right? Must be temperate in all things. That's just self-controlled. Now, they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we do it for an imperishable crown. So if you want to fight this fight, you've got to be disciplined and you've got to exercise self-control. Those are fruits of the Spirit. Oh, my goodness. Well, self-control is. See, I can control myself. If you're not controlling yourself, someone else is. Okay? So in order to fight this good fight, we're going to win an imperishable crown. Amen? You've got to have super vigilance. You've got to be super vigilant. Go to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. These are some qualities that will help you win this fight, the good fight of faith. Amen? Say, I'm vigilant. 1 Peter 5, 8 says this, be sober. I thought drinking was okay in the Bible. Not if it says be sober. I'm just, that's all I'm going to say about that. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil. You know what? The devil could take advantage of you if you're drunk in the world system. Because you won't know that you're being taken advantage of. Because it's deception. He walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. In order to devour you, he's got to get your permission. You've got to cooperate. You've got to give him the right to devour you. How do, you, how, do you do, how do I give the devil the right to devour me? By disobeying God. Going against God's word. Not doing what God said. You give the devil permission to devour you. I just heard a big gulp. That's a sobering gulp. All right? So he said, uh, but look at verse 9. What are we supposed to do? Resist him. We're supposed to be resistors. Right? We've got to set up some resistance. How do we resist him? Steadfast in the faith. The devil can win in the natural, but he can't win in faith because he doesn't operate by faith. And when we operate by faith, that gives us the advantage over him. All right? Knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. You mean I'm going to have to suffer? Yeah, but when you suffer, God's going to get you through. Amen? What does a Christian suffer? Persecution, criticism, betrayal. All the things that Jesus suffered. Jesus was never sick. He didn't suffer sickness. So sickness is not something that we're called to suffer. God's just teaching me a lesson. No, he's got the Holy Spirit to teach you a lesson. He doesn't use sickness. Sickness is not in his curriculum. Okay? But uh, may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. So when you suffer the way God wants you to suffer, he'll perfect, establish, and strengthen you after it's done. Sounds to me like you win. You, I mean, think about it. Try comparing the suffering of the cross to the resurrection. 
The cross was just one moment in time, but the resurrection is forever. When Jesus rose from the dead, did he, talk, did he say anything about what it was like on the cross? The only time he mentioned his wounds is when Thomas said, can I touch him? He said, here. And he didn't even say, ouch, when Thomas touched him. He had a glorified body. Those scars were just a remembrance of the price that he paid for us. Hallelujah. He's the only one in heaven with scars. Glory to God. All right, so we, we got to have uh, what it takes to win. Discipline, self-control, s- sober vigilance. All right, we need a prophetic unction. Go to 1 Timothy 1.18. 1 Timothy 1.18. Hallelujah. These are tools to help us fighting the good fight of faith. 1 Timothy 1.18. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage a good warfare. The words that God has spoken to you personally, the things that he said about you, those, those are true. Amen? You can use prophetic unction, unction, prophetic unction to fight. Yeah. Hallelujah. Jehoshaphat said, believe uh, in my word and you'll be established. Believe the prophets and you'll prosper. I want to be established and prosper. Amen? Yeah. Hallelujah. Thank God for the prophetic unction. The unction. I don't know why I'm saying that. Unction. I got an unction to function. Hallelujah. You're supposed to use prophecies to fight. To wage a good warfare. When the devil speaks a lie at you, you're supposed to come back with the truth. You're a no good, nothing sinner. I'm a new, I'm a born again, I'm a new creature created in Christ Jesus. That's how you combat the lies of the enemy. You come back with the truth. Hallelujah. So we need to fight with prophecies, inspired utterances, the words that God spoke for people concerning you. You got to keep your faith, trust in God completely and confidently, and you got to maintain a good conscience. Now, if you're sinning, you can't maintain a good conscience. But thank God the blood of Jesus cleanses us, cleanses our conscience from dead works. How come you don't remember those dead works? Because my mind has been scrubbed. Hallelujah. I've had mind renewal. That church has brainwashed you. Oh, yeah, my mind was so filthy and dirty, I needed a good cleansing. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Zechariah 10.5, you need God's presence. It says this, Zechariah 10.5, They will be like mighty men trampling down their enemies in the mire of the streets in the battle, and they will fight because the Lord is with them. How many can fight knowing that the Lord is with you? When the Lord is with you, you cannot lose. When the Lord is with you, you overcome. It doesn't matter if you're outnumbered or outgunned. It's not bigger than God who's with you. He who's in me is greater than he who's in the world. Hallelujah. We need the Lord's presence. When you know he's with you, there's confidence. 
You can, you can step into raging water and the, the waters will part like a wall on each side and you walk on dry ground. Hallelujah. God has a way of getting you through obstacles. That way was hidden, but it was unveiled at the right moment and at the right time. Can you imagine a group of two to three million people and their cattle and their sheep and their goats and their kids crossing the sea on dry ground? That's a big area. Two to three million people. I mean, it had to be wider than this building in order to get them all. But the enemy tried to do what God's people did and the doors were closed. Glory to God. Go to Philippians 3. Philippians 3. Another key to help you in this fight is you got to forget what's behind. Everybody say the past is in the tomb. So don't be a grave robber. If the past is in the tomb, let the past be the past. The only one who brings up your past is the devil. And when he brings up your past, you bring up his future, and he won't bring up your past. He'll be quiet real quick. You going to bring up my past? Let's talk about your, your, your house at the lake there, pal. The lake of fire. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting, everybody say forgetting, Forgetting. those things which are behind. Stop bringing up the past. Why are you opening up old wounds? Forget it. It takes faith to forget. And reaching forward to those things which are ahead. You can't reach behind you to get what's in the past. It's gone. You can't time travel and go back. All you can do is go forward. There's bigger and better things for you forward than there were in the past. Amen? Let's keep our eyes forward. Forgetting what's behind and going forward. All right? I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Say, I'm going for the prize. You know why you're going for the prize? Because you're a prize fighter. We're prize fighters. What does a prize fighter do? They fight for prizes. They get a belt. They get a prize. David was not going to engage in a battle until he knew the reward. And once he knew the reward was good, then he knows, I'm going to get involved in this battle. We get involved in so many battles that are just designed to steal our time. Sometimes the enemy will just do things in your life to keep you occupied with time-stealing techniques. Because if he's stealing your time, everybody has the same amount of time. Everybody has 24 hours in a day. No more, no less. But what we do with our time. Sometimes the devil will just get you caught up. I'm too busy. I'm too busy. I'm too busy. You're, you're too busy in the world and you have no time for God. 
he wins. Because here's what happens. When you don't give God his time, it becomes easier and easier not to give him his time the next time. And then the next time. Because now we train ourselves. I'm too busy here. I can't get involved here. Well, this reward is temporal. This one over here is eternal. All right? And then finally, well, two more things. Ephesians 6 and 2 Corinthians 10. Ephesians 6, you've got to put on some armor. How many know, you know we've been equipped with armor, right? What's our armor? It's truth. It's righteousness. It's the gospel of peace. It's faith. It's salvation. It's the sword of the spirit. And it's the word of God. Seven things all related to the word that we use to stand against the wiles of the enemy, to overcome his schemes. Truth, righteousness, faith. The gospel of peace, the sword of the spirit, and the word of God, and salvation. All parts of the armor. Hallelujah. We use those seven things. With those seven things, you win. Hallelujah. With those seven things, you have a complete victory, because seven is the number of completeness. Hallelujah. And then go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Because I would be amiss if I, if I talked about this fight and didn't tell you how to fight it. <laughs> we got a left and a right hook that the enemy can't handle, the, sword, the word and the spirit. You know, the, the book of Psalms, the psalmist wrote, I, I crushed the jaw, I broke the jaw of the enemy. Boom! One shot, he's down. Glory to God. If the enemy comes at you, you got the power to knock him out. And it's not a technical knockout. Hallelujah. Boom, he comes at you. Boom, he's down. Glory to God. Second Corinthians chapter 10. All right, verse, verse uh, 3 says this. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. So our warfare is different. How is it different? For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not fleshly, they're not sensely, they're, they're not of the senses, okay? Say, my weapons are not carnal. But what are they? They're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. you got some powerful weapons. And there's all about your thoughts, Catch it, all about your thoughts, casting down arguments. Well, who's the one that wants to argue with you? Who's the accuser of the brethren? He wants to argue with you, but you can cast up arguments. It's, why would you spend time arguing with a fool? Did Jesus argue with them? He said, come out. Two words. He was gone. Can we go to the pigs? Go. One word. They were gone. He never argued with them. He never discussed things with them. He only asked their name one time. And I don't know what that reason was. I'll have to study that out and find it out for you. Casting arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. 
That's what your weapons do. And then finally, we need some endurance. 2 Timothy 2.3. It says, like a good soldier of Christ Jesus, if anyone competes as an athlete, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Uh, But we have to take our share of hardship. The cross was not easy, but it was doable. Amen? Every one of us has a cross to bear. And we have the strength and the power to do it. So it's fight night tonight. We're not just going to fight. We're going to win. We're going to defeat the enemy. We're going to overcome. Amen? We have got the goods that Jesus gave us. He has equipped us. He has called us. He works in us. He works through us. We cannot be defeated. And we will not quit. We got to have that mindset. When you start thinking how hard something is, that's when you get in trouble. That's when snakes start coming. Israelites thought that the way that they were going was too hard. And when they, when they thought it was too hard, they started to complain. They started to murmur. And when they complained and murmured, snakes came on the scene. Fiery serpents started biting people. See, when you think something is too hard, you're gonna, the, your natural response is you're going to start to complain. And when you complain, God takes it personal. Because God told Moses, why are they complaining about me? Amen? We're not complainers, and we're not whiners, and we're not beggars. We're believers. Amen? We're children of God. We're kings and priests that God has made. Amen? We belong to the household of God. We're members of the household of faith. Hallelujah. You've been brought up. Glory to God. Everybody stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Say, in this fight, I'm standing my ground. I'm taking what's mine. I'm not backing down. I'm standing on the word. And I'm not going to move. I'm, I'm holding my place. No matter what comes my way, I overcome. I win. I'm a champion. I'm a winner. I get the victory. I am triumphant in Jesus' name. And I want you to celebrate your victory. I want you to praise your victory. And if you came here tonight 